welcome everyone. It's really good. When I was sitting there, I was really encouraged that, that the people who have come today really want God and really want to make this, want to make God a priority and God's family a priority that he wants us to be together. And I know that there's so many things that come up against church and wanting to be together, but it's really important that we are. And um, that was only been made real to me in the last year because I didn't care, really. Yeah, a holiday was just, not saying that going around holidays is bad, but, but being with the body is like the best thing we can be with and when the body wants God. So this has been on my mind for probably three weeks and I haven't really understood uh, how it fits in. So here we go. We'll see how it goes. Who do we say God is? And I don't mean that just in how we speak because if you read the Bible and memorize the Bible, it's really easy to tell people who God is. From my experience and it's not good experience, it doesn't work. Telling people who God is, a lot of the time, unless, they're, unless they want to know, it's not, it means nothing, and it really goes nowhere. So this is just how I've changed it. Who do we say he is? But Jesus, this is when they were talking to Jesus about, or Jesus was talking to them about the fact that people are asking who he is this time. People are starting to hear the word about who this Jesus Christ person is. And uh, he's talking to Simon Peter here, and he says, but what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Perfect answer. Like he couldn't, he actually, you know, well, just straight after it, Jesus says, and I thought I'd put it there, but I obviously haven't. He says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for neither blood nor flesh has revealed this to you. So he got it so good. He had the Lord God Almighty tell him, blessed are you. That's a pretty, um, it's an amazing affirmation to have come from Jesus Christ. Yet in not five, five or six verses later, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. And he's not talking to Peter. He's not giving Peter a hard time, but Peter gave the wrong answer and he got it wrong. And it made me think about where have I got it wrong with what I say to people because I say the wrong thing a lot and I've done it many a times. And I used to just think that was a reflection on me. That was just how I, oh yeah, I'm just a man and I'm a Christian man, whatever, you'll, you'll get over us at the wrong thing. But now I realise that what I say and what I do is actually, is actually representing who Christ is. And I never really gave it, I didn't give it any weight at all because I, well, I forgive other people, they can forgive me. But what I've, I'm starting to understand is when we're in the sermon series, follow him or follow me, simply follow. Should know that. Simply follow. And um, our word follow, I'm going to say it, is horrible. The English word follow, is, it's not what that meant. Now, it is helpful and it gets half the meaning, but Sophie, you might have to help me here. The Greek word for it is akalatheo. Yeah. If you want to find out, read about it. But it means to accompany, to assist. That doesn't sound anything like follow to me. Nothing. Because follow, you can do from a distance. I could follow Steve from a distance and when he gets in trouble, I'll just pretend I'm walking the other way. And when it gets tough, uh, I wasn't following him. Peter did it. When, it when, when they took Jesus away to kill him, he said, no, I'm not with him. Because he wasn't, he was following him. He wasn't, no, 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 him. He wasn't, I don't know. I really, I tried, really tried to get that word, but it's, I don't quite have the tongue for it. He wasn't assisting him. He wasn't accompanying him. He hadn't taken responsibility for the fact that he was representing Christ. And then I realized, how often do I follow God and then do something completely different? 
but I follow him. And the moment the heat comes, I'm out. Like, it's really easy to bail when you're nowhere near him. It's really easy to say, oh, I wasn't following him or I wasn't with him or accompanying him when you're not actually next to him. You're not actually doing what he, the, what he said to do. And uh, I've been guilty of that a lot. So this sermon today is about our identity through who Christ is, not through where we can be or what we've done or what we can become. It's our identity is about our identity through because of who Christ was, not because of all these good giftings we have or all the good things that we might see in our life or the, the amazing provision that the Lord God Almighty can give. That's not our identity. Our identity is all wrapped up in who Jesus was and is. And if we don't get that, we will follow him from a distance and be, oh, I like being like Jesus. Oh, it's getting hot. It's getting hard. I'm not like Jesus now. And your identity changes again. We have to understand that our identity as Christians, and that's a very important thing as Christians, because it's not for the non-believer, because you can't expect that from them. And I'll get into that after. But it says in, well, this is, this is all the times where if we could read it in the Greek, it, was, it refers to Jesus actually talking to people and saying, follow me. But forget the word follow and think of the Greek word. there, mm. And he was actually saying, be next to me, assist me, accompany me, help me with this, not just follow me and I'll lead out the front. We do follow his leading, but we're meant to actually be so close to him that when he's in the line fire, we're in the line fire. So, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And that, that isn't a, uh, a suggestion. That wasn't a, um, this will help you in life. This is, if you're a Christian, be holy for I, because I am holy. And that's a really easy one just to go, that sounds great. And I know I, I can do it all the time. But it's, uh, it's a really important thing. Has anyone ever given that any weight? Like, oh, enough weight is what it really deserves. It's actually saying to be, not just to try, to be. That was really convicting for me. I've read that verse a million times, but in trying to prepare for this, that spoke to me more than it has ever before. Because we, we need to be completely wrapped up in this thing. And I know that is really confronting, and I've got an example about it later, where I was trying to be wrapped up in it, and I got it completely wrong again, and this wasn't that long ago. He paid a really high price for us, a really high price, and that wasn't a price for us to get to heaven. That was a price for heaven to get into us. And that means that we're not coasting through. We are meant to be like Christ now, right here, right now. To the point where if there was a greater need than even being here today and it was what Christ, then even the body would come second to what Christ is calling. That he is the, it is the most important thing. It is the most important thing. I'll give you the example that I had for it. So I've worked with the same guy for seven years. He is a tough cookie to crack, like super tough. He's had a pretty hard life, but he is like the ultimate hard work. I'm talking like 90 hours a week, every week, for like the last 10 years, longer, 20 years. He, yeah, it's nothing to him to, to not have a holiday for three years. And that's what he's done. He's just had his first holiday to Singapore for three days. Singapore for three days. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Oh, I'll get bored in that time. And that's just what he's like. So I'm there thinking, oh man, you just love work. I don't even love money. I don't care about money. Just loves being the man that knows what he's doing. And it's really, it is really, really hard because we're very, very different. 
but the reason I'm there is because that cookie's important. He's an important cookie, even though he's a very hard cookie to crack. And we had this big job go very wrong, and it was through miscommunication. It was the first job in, in that sort of area that we'd done in a long time. And in the long term, in the, in the shorter things, it was a really big mis miscommunication about something that wasn't actually wrong, and we had to undo it and do it up, undo it. It just, it's too hard to explain, but I copped it so bad, like really bad. And it was, it was I was to do with it, but there was other workers there. He was involved, he's the, he's the boss, he's the one who makes the calls, he, he calls the shots. I just do what I'm told. And even then, I did what I was told, and oh, I'm talking like walking in the morning and get told where to go with explicits. And you know, you walk in and you think, right, I'm gonna do the right thing, I'm just gonna wear that. The next day, you know, you get you handed the piece of paper, go. And you're just thinking, oh, this is getting hard. And it's only a job, it's not that hard. I'm not living in a third world, but I was struggling. And um, like it got harder. Like every time I try and talk to him, he'd tell me where to go. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. I know that God loves you. I know there's something, there's something really important about this time, but I was not seeing it. I was not seeing any breakthrough and half my home group know all about it, another Activate group because... Yeah, I thought I had the answers. So I thought, I decided to, to be like God, to manifest it, to be like Christ. I'm going to love him, even though I'm partly to blame. I'm going to love him anyway. And um, I'm just going to, I'm going to honour him. I'm going to work as hard as I can and put a, you know, a smile on my face. And it started to annoy him. And I started to enjoy that. <laughs> and then I realised, and, and I did it for like two weeks. I'm like, you know what, you're going to be mean to me. I'm going to be so nice to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you so much. I'm going to be so respectful. And when you treat me badly, I'm going to treat you well. And then I started enjoying how much it was hurting him. And then I realized I had the wrong heart altogether. And I thought I was loving him, but really what I was using was a superior knowledge that God gave us. And I was just hurting him more. I was just showing him, oh, he's this Christian. I can't even upset this Christian. He's making me so angry and he doesn't even care that I'm angry. And I'm just hurt. And I was enjoying it. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, I don't even love this guy. I just am pretending and I'm acting, and it, and it sort of touches with what Tan, Tanya's sermon was about, where you don't feel it, but you do it anyway. I was just doing it because I was feeling and enjoying it. And I was like, yep, I know this is hard for you. You made it half for me, I'm going to make it half for you. I'm completely missed the point. But to the outside, it looked like I was doing the right thing. And I know inside, I wasn't. So then I had to rethink about it all and go, all right, I'm not going to be as cheery to you so that it annoys you. I'm not going to be... I was, it was on the borderline of being condescending to where I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, pal. And he's hating it. And I was all wrong. I was so wrong because I didn't love him at all. How was I expecting God to break through through just, just that? I was all wrong. So I had to go again and reassess. And I, and I said, sorry. And obviously I didn't talk about that stuff with him, but I had to I don't know, put on the game face again in the right way. And then breakthrough started happening. I started seeing him... He started opening up and talking and, and I'd say, look, we discussed it all. And finally, breakthrough is occurring. Now, I'm sure there's going to be another thing. There always is. I thought there was breakthrough with him three years ago. But God loves him and I'm there at that time for him, to be like Christ to him. And there's a really, really good analogy for this and I've never heard it before. I've never heard one like it. And some of you will be familiar with it. But it's if you squeeze an orange... What comes out? Orange juice. If you squeeze an apple, what comes out? I hope so. Apple juice. If you squeeze an orange and apple juice comes out, is that weird? If you drank it 
after seeing someone squeeze it into it into a cup and then you drank it would that be weird it would be super weird why is it any different when we claim to be christians and we get squeezed and god doesn't come out why is that not weird it should be weird it should be a really hard thing for us to that should be really convicting um, when someone sque- when i get squeezed and if something comes out that's not god how can I claim to be a Christian? How can I claim to love and be like Christ if you squeeze me and only the enemy comes out? Only complaints, uh, busyness and hurt, rejection and resentment. If only those things come out, I can't call myself an orange at all. I'm more like an orange with apple juice inside of me. And that is weird. And we have to see that for ourselves that when we get squeezed, because this is the truth, the squeezing is going to happen. The squeezing will always happen. And when... When uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were put in the fire, well, getting taken to the fire, the fire got hotter and hotter. The guards died. It didn't get cooled down. It got hotter. And King Nebuchadnezzar's heart didn't change. It just got worse. And you think, well, what sort of God's that? Well, he's a God that's bigger than the fire, bigger than the furnace, bigger than everything else, and bigger than our situations. And the squeeze came and the heat came to Jesus as well. Yet it didn't get put out. It didn't get taken away. The fire didn't get cooled down. He got, they got thrown in the fire. Yet in the midst of the heat and the situation, God was sovereign. So he's not going to take away our burdens. Uh, our, sorry, burden, that's the wrong word. He's going to take away our burdens. He's his light. But he's not going to take away our challenges. As at the start of this year, I was praying and saying to God, I want to be like, more like you. And I didn't know what I was praying. I did not understand what that meant because things got really hard. Things started, I really struggled and I, I went to Matt and said, I don't understand this God anymore. I thought I understood God and I thought that I understood his love and I don't. And now I don't even know how to love him because it's so hard now. I, don't, I can't even hear his voice. I don't know what to do. And I asked for what I got and it came. And it came in the form of challenges of me having to relearn things, to break things off and go, oh, I thought I had it and I didn't have it. I thought that this would mean those things at work were going to get better. I'm going to get a promotion. Or I'm going to, when I work like you, God, at work, when I work like Jesus and just work so hard, the boss is going to see that and I'm going to get a new car and he's going to think I'm the best. I've been with him for seven years. I'm a model employee. Nah. Even the other guy said to me, oh, if he spoke to me like that, I would hit him. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm going to belt him. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, this is, I tried that way. Maybe you're, and they're like, you know what? We're on better money than you. And they are. And, you know, he never speaks to me like that. And he laughs when I come in the morning and we treat him badly. And I'm thinking, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's not right. Mm. Sounds good though. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I thought that you do this and you see breakthrough. But you can't see the breakthrough until the things are broken off you that you're meant to be breaking through. That's the whole point of it. And that's how, if with, without those, we have to, eh, this is the whole thanking God for persecution part because without it, we don't look beautiful. We don't. If it was so creamy and awesome, our life, and we lived like Scientologists with lots of money and Tom Cruise and all the rest, there's no heat. There's none. They basically don't exist. They live in their fairy world full of money and there's no challenge there. How can they ever look beautiful and be like, well, they're not like Christ, but how can we ever be like that if we only want our challenges to disappear? They never will. And so this is the bit that I want to stress really heavily. 
in this time where we're being squeezed and we produce good things, it's like, yeah, I'm getting this and it's tough and I'm going to show the world that God lives within me and I can do that. We cannot expect that from non-Christians. We just can't expect it. Because if we're talking about having juice, let's say you're the orange and the juice is God, they haven't, they're not at that point. So when they get squeezed and they do things toward you, they sin against you, we can't let that produce sin within us because they don't understand. It's not their fault. Then they are almost without fault in that time. They, how do they understand why we do things the way we do? We, we just can't expect that of other people. And for so long I did, and I still say to Seth, I'm like, how do people do this? Like, you know, how do they forget one thing after? And it's just, we can't expect it from other people in other non-Christians. We can expect God to be working in their life and convicting their heart. Yeah, sure. But when they get squeezed and it seems like everything's falling apart, it really is, seems, seems to be falling apart to them. Like they don't, they don't know. And that should break our hearts. That should be, how do they do it? How can I help God? And when, when sin comes against us and things come against us and you think, wow, I really don't deserve this. Well, we deserved hell. That's what we deserved. And we got something far better, didn't we? Yeah? We were, all we were told to do was give away something that was broken and crushed, our life, and for it we receive everything else. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added onto you. Like we have, literally have to just give up our lives that don't make any sense, that we try and make sense and it just falls apart all the time. Give it up and you receive everything. I don't expect that just to be like bang and the, oh, your whole world's changed and revelation, but you have to think about that. It leads me into another area that basically you just hear in my struggles, by the way, and hopefully you can learn from where I've fallen. I thought that then before I understood this concept, I thought our identity was wrapped up in ministry. I thought that if my calling and my part of the body was to be in the kitchen or to be in kids' church or to be up here leading, whatever it is, I thought that was who I was in God. And if it's working well, me and God are going well. That's a lie. That is not true. It's not true. Because before you're a kids' church leader or a, a minister, whatever you are, a... a Benny Hinn, whoever you are, before you're any of those things, you're a son or you're a daughter of Christ. Before you're a father, a mother, a a husband, a wife, brother, sister, before you're any of those things, you're a son or a daughter of Christ. Or brother and sister of Christ, son, daughter of of the Father. And that means that everything we do from here has to reflect that. So that before we go, oh, what's my obligation as a husband? To Sophie, before that, even before my obligation to Sophie, I'm a son of God. Now how I treat Sophie is completely different. Everything has to be different if you really believe those things. And I know that this isn't always a palatable conversation. I know that this can sometimes be really hard. But if we understand that before everything we do, before I'm a diesel mechanic, I'm a son of God. Oh, wait, that means I don't even work for my boss. I work for God. Do unto, how's it go? Do unto the Lord as, do unto the man, whatever, you know. As if I'm working for the Lord. Work for your boss like you're working for the Lord. You're working for God. Love each other like you're loving God. And that has to change because that comes before everything or we don't believe the model that he told us. If we do it another way, our actions are speaking in a way that's louder than our words. We can say, yeah, I get it, Joel. I'm a son of God. I get it. And then we go home and I'm shocking. Soph and I have a great time here and you get in the car and Soph does one thing and I'm just like... I, don't, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't have any peace in it. And I get angry at stupid things. 
and I fall apart. And in that time, I am just a man, then a husband, and then a son of God. Like I've got it all backwards. I've got to start again and realize what's important. God's important. Well, he said to me, love Sophie, as when I married her, like Christ loves his church, which means he gave up his life for his church. And then there's all the other stuff about wives loving their husbands, but you get that stuff. It's foundational. And it's, um, I promise you, it's really confronting, but really worth it if you dig into it. Because I'm still digging. I'm still digging and I'm finding new truths. And I'm not saying that the church has let me down, but I'm finding things that I think have been hidden for a reason. Things that haven't been spoken about in a certain way or things that for some reason we just seem to be able to skip them. And I go, wow. Where, where, how did I miss this bit? How come I wasn't told this at the start? So don't let these things slip through your hands. I can't, I can't stress that enough. It will, we're seeing it in the church already where things are starting to shift and we're starting to see a new movement here. And don't let that go because you're part of it. There's no one more greater than the other here, okay? And that's really, really important to remember. Just the enemy really wants us to... Re- think that our life is wrapped up in, our identity is wrapped up in our ministries or in our families or in our jobs. And when things are going well, that, that that's good, that that's good with God, that that, um, that means you're in a good place to God. And that's a lie. That's not true. Because when we're in a good place with God, that's intimacy. Works and actions are a reflection of intimacy with Him. They're, they are what follow. They follow our time with God, our relationship with God, not the other way around. And if you might think, how on earth could the enemy want me to believe that ministry is a good thing? It is a good thing. It's just not as good as your identity. Does that make any sense? It's, it's, not, it's superseded by your identity and everything else flows out of that. If you're, there's a really good saying and it's, don't do to be, be to do. Don't do to be, be to do. Now, if you gave me that two years ago, I wouldn't have cared at all. I really wouldn't have, I wouldn't have understood that. I still would have been works driven. But now I understand that I can't do to be anything because I did to be and I, I was horrible at it. Everything that I've tried to do in my strength has failed miserably. You can ask my friends, my family, the times that I've tried to do it, to be, I failed every time. Every time. I've only seen breakthrough in my life where I believe that I already am to do. I believe that the being is actually what Christ already did for us. And then I just be to do like, I be, yeah, to, to do stuff like he did. Sorry, it's a little bit. But just don't do to be, be to you. That's for you, Darren. Good. So that, that's gold. It is so good. It, it is so short, but it changes. I don't know if it changes it for you, but it changed a heap for me because there was a heap of doing I was doing to be. And now there's a heap of being that I'm doing to do that makes any sense. So have a think about that where we might be involved in things uh, that we, are, that's when we're struggling with stuff is when we're just, I've got to do this because it's going to get me to this place with God. Truth is he already wants to be in that place and he wants you to be in that place and out of that everything else comes. And we're going to miss it unless we understand that because we will never, it says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short, which means we all need Jesus Christ in our life. And he says to us, you need to be like me because I paid a high price for you to be like me. That's all you've got to do and the rest will follow. You don't have to save everyone. 
You don't have to, he will tell you what needs doing. You don't have to launch into everything to find this, this enlightenment. The, the mystery that was the Old Testament and everything has been revealed and it's Jesus Christ and the fact that he did everything for us, that the battle has been won and the battle is now between our ears. Do you believe that it's been won? Do you believe that the thing you're, you're struggling with, the thing that you're, that you're up against, the challenge, do you believe that it's already been beaten for you? That all you have to do is pick up, pick up your sword and say, I'm going to be here in this and I believe in what you're doing, God. For a long time, I just ran away from those things. I have a, I've got a film clip here and try and ignore the music they put to it because people like to get carried away. The music's good, I get it. But the guy is a quack for God. Um, absolutely lost with the revelation of Jesus Christ in his life and you can see it. Now he's super quirky and quacky, but it's just, it's just truth. It just makes sense. So try and look past the showiness of it. God wants us to manifest him in the face of it all so the world sees the integrity of who Christ is in his people. The gospel has always been about transformation and, and a renewed life and a renewed mind and a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of living. We have preached it for a long time with a self-centered twist that's gotten us in trouble. A large percent of Christians believe that we're Christians for God to take care of us. If we're not careful, this gospel is all about what we can get from God and how God can do us and treat us and help us and bless us. And it causes a great snare in our lives. We're struggling like everybody else and we think our feelings are the way it is. Truth is the way it is. And you're not alive for everything to go your way. You're alive to manifest Him. It's a life lived. The truth. His name's Jesus. He's our best friend. There's people that have a heart for the kingdom, their hearts towards God. They see their need for a savior and they recognize his love through the cross. And yet the way they think and the way they're motivated and the way they react to things in life is against him. The gospel has always been about how he can make us more like him through the example of his son by the power of his spirit. You're the only hope of the world truly seeing him and knowing him. Your life is the only barometer that anybody will ever have. It's your life. You're, you're the roster of heaven. You're the best he's got. You're, you're, you're in the game. You're not on the bench. You're not a sub. You're not a backup squad. You're not a B team. You're the body of Christ. Listen, the body of Christ, the embodiment of Christ. You embody him. He lives in you. Just let your light shine. Don't get issues and attitudes and fall apart. Let your life shine. And all of a sudden come hell or high water, Jesus is Lord and people see it in your eyes. And you'll be facing the biggest injustice of your life and you can't even complain. You're just overcoming things with love and mercy and forgiveness and loving kindness. Why? Because that's what he did to you. I want to follow Jesus. I don't see Jesus hurt. I see him saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. But if I stay in this place, light's going to shine. Somebody's going to get it. 
But if I pull back now, how will they know? You don't have to just be depressed, discouraged, forlorn, despairing because what he has been through has so marked your heart, so changed your life, so hooked you up to why you're alive that nothing can move you anymore. If I live, it's for the Lord. If I die, it's for the Lord. It's all about him. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I had to watch that like 30 times, 40 times to receive everything that's in it. So I encourage you to keep... He's got, a, he's got a heap of good stuff out there, Dan Moller, on, on thinking about things in, the, in a gospel way and in a way that I haven't before, in a way that I have missed things where I thought that I had it together. I thought that this was a deal for me to get to heaven and that's it. And I'm now starting to understand and starting to put that into words, uh, into actions, not just words, that it's not. That it's not all about me. It's not all about what I can get out of this. It's not all about what he can do for me. What, what, where he's going to take me because I know God's way is best. Oh, I should go with that because it'll mean the best thing for my life. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about me being so in love with him through intimacy, not through deeds, that I can then move in that way. And he'll do whatever he has to do. It might mean that I'm a part of Catalyst for 50 years, 60, till, till I die. If that's what he wants and that's what honours him, that's what I'm going to do. That's the best thing for him. Uh, for, for me, and, for, and if that's his kingdom, then that's what, I, that's what I want. And we have to get to that point where his truth is the truth. And that every time something comes towards us that's not truth, we answer it with truth. Because first, before we were everything else, we're his son and his daughter. And when we get squeezed, Christ comes out. Not us, not our relationships, not our ministries. Christ comes out. And whatever that looks like. And it means that if you have, it, have to be an evangelic, uh, evangel, straight evangelist, if it means whatever he's calling you to be in that time, don't say, that's not my gifting, that's not what I do. I do this, this is my part in the body. That is not true. God can use you however he needs you to use you and you need to be ready to be used in that way. And that's good. And that's a good thing. This is good news. I'm sorry if it comes across heavy, but it's good news. These are really, really good things. It just means we have to give up what we thought we understood or what I thought I understood and realise that he has so much more for me. So it's not meant to be a super long message. The whole of the Old Testament points towards Jesus. The whole Old Testament, everything about it, they're great stories, but it all points towards Jesus. And then the whole New Testament is a revelation of our lives. Of what Christ did is meant to change our lives. So the whole book's about Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? He said, be like me. It is a book about how to be like him. One half pointing to him, saying he's, he's the anointed Jesus Christ. And the other half saying, this is how I live. Be like me. And then there's all the verses to say, he, he's, that's what he's asking for us to do. And that means when it comes tax time, we're like him. When we drive, we're like him. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm coming from a place of holiness and purity. I'm not. I have failed here before as well. When we speak to each other, when we're at wherever we are, in our relationships, we're like him, first and foremost. And we cannot afford, and in fact, the world cannot afford for us to put Jesus into our lives where it makes sense, because that's not true. He didn't ask us to incorporate him into our lives. He asked to become your life. That everything about you is like him. It means that when we get angry, we're like, oh, we're slow to anger. 
And it means that every time something comes up and you go, I'm, I'm telling you, if you think about this now and through the week, you will realise, oh, here's a time where I'm more like me than him. And I'm not going to lie to you, it's actually pretty hard. It's really hard, but it's worth it. It's really, really worth it. And I'm starting to see fruit of that where people go, hey, you actually care about me. You, people actually want to be around me now. <laughs> not just, just to hang out, but they are enjoying my presence because I love them. Not, I'm not loving them to get them to heaven. I'm not loving them so that I have a notch on the belt. I'm just loving them because that's what Jesus said to do. And Jesus loves them. And I want to be like him. And I'm becoming more like him. And so when, now when I do my tax, I do it like him. When I drive, and this has been very hard, when I drive, I drive like him. It's hard when you're getting passed all the way to the city now because it's 80 and everyone's passing you at 100 and I feel like a nuisance. But the speed limit says 80 and I'm like, this, that was like one of the hardest things because it's just stupid. Everyone, it's free road. Why can't I do 100 as well? Because it says 80. That's why. And it has really been convicting me where I'm laying in bed and I'm like, surely you're not talking to me about that. That's only a little thing, God. You don't care about that. Well, apparently he does. And the reason he does is not because we are under the law. He, Jesus set us free from the law. This is why our, our, everything about us is wrapped up in him because he rocked up and he said, I am freeing you of the law. I'm freeing you of you feeling bad for this. I'm freeing of you trying to meet my, the Old Testament expectations. You're never going to get there. That's truth. We're never going to get there. He came and freed us from that and said, love me and enjoy doing the right things. Enjoy trying to be like him. And it actually is really good. I'm actually starting to understand more about him now, just trying to be like him. It's just taking me a long time, a very slow learner. So this is not to condemn you in any way. This is because Jesus Christ loved you enough to set you free. And now we choose and we made one choice. If you've chosen to love and to follow God and to make him your, your saviour, then you have chosen to stop choosing. You've chosen him, so you stop choosing everything else. You now just follow him. You, whatever it is, you follow him now. And you, know, you don't make those, it shouldn't have to be a decision anymore. It's just something that you're doing. And it's not a, I'm gonna have to keep choosing God every day. You've already chosen him. Just be as he was. Be holy, he says, because I am holy. We have been told. I won't drag it on anymore. So if you need any prayer for anything that's like this, where you're struggling in this area, ask someone, um, Kate, Jeremy, Steve, other people we can pray with you anywhere. Anyone, if you feel led to pray, pray in any area. And if you want this thing that is Jesus in you and you want to be, when you're squeezed, only Jesus comes out, come and ask about that as well because it's too hard getting squeezed when there's nothing inside. Yeah. So I'll just close in prayer if the worship team want to get up and sing that last song again. Lord, I just thank you that, uh, that your word is truth. I thank you that your word is peace, that you came to make peace with us, that you came to set us free of all the areas that we bind ourselves up, that we make it about us, we make it about getting to a certain place to be or for, to, to, to be like you, Lord, where you want us just to be like you and take the deeds away, take all the things that we do as men and women away, Father, and just be like you and the rest will follow. Lord, I just pray that this really sets your believers free today, Lord, free of themselves, free of each other, free just to follow you, to make one choice from now on, and that's to choose you. I thank you, God, that you're really, really good. 
and that you will move, Lord, if we want you to do these things in our life, if we ask you earnestly after this, Lord, you will start doing these things in our lives, that you said you will. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, and we thank you for your Son and what he did for us. In your name we pray. Amen.